Welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show, the number one podcast where we admit no matter what happens, daddy has the advice we need to fix our problems. Introducing my dad, Mr. Wayne Friedman. That was good. It would be nice if you could also sing a song. What would the song be? You love Paris in the springtime. I just made up some words to it. I love Rena in the springtime. I love Rena in the fall. (laughs) That's right. That's good enough. (laughs) Oh boy. Let's dive in. Today's guest is a mompreneur, a creative, a podcaster, and an unconventional leader. And at one time, she thought she wanted to be in the ministry. Heather, welcome. I've been listening to you all day, so now I'm even more excited. (laughs) I've been listening to you, so that's funny. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, your Fidget Fridays, I love. Thanks. I appreciate that. You know, I didn't even want to do them because, like, who wants to do solo episodes? And then I did them and then people like them and it's still weird to me. I'm like, really? I feel like they're digestible. They're relatable. They're fun. Well, I want to say you ask good questions. They're to the point and direct. And I was like listening to you and I'm like, there's so much to learn from you about being more direct with questions. Cause I'm normally like this and talking too much. And you're like, tell me more about that. And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) I love it. Okay, so let's get direct. I love that you say, oh Lord, and you talk about leaning into being alone with yourself at the end of the day, and the only person you're going to be with are the people in your house and the Lord. What is your relationship with the Lord? Oh, we're going there already. You're making me sweat. I'm over here sweating already. Dude, that's such a loaded freaking question. I am rediscovering that. I went into full-time ministry right out of high school. Didn't go to college. Went to, um, literally it was like a traveling ministry. We, I pretty much lived on a school bus for like two years. We traveled around. I was studying to become ministers. I wanted to be a missionary. That was the entire intention with my life. And long story short, I just slow faded from that. And just started becoming kind of more awakened to the bigger world around me and different trains of thought and seeing a lot of pain and a lot of abuse and a lot of really nasty stuff that I didn't want to be associated with. And so then it kind of swung, swung the opposite way and I'm like, screw it all. And over the past few years, it's been interesting because I think I've been just kind of rediscovering who and what God is. And it's not more of this like box labeled regiment thing of this is the way it is. And it's more of this like open space that none of us really know what it is. And I think that's, what's so cool about him is he's inviting curiosity and exploration as opposed to like dictating ownership. And so I've been kind of more lost in the curiosity of God and exploring that and less rigid with it. So what is my relationship with him? It's one of kind of more wonder than anything. Well, I would say that's more healthy than fear. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the perfect word. That is the perfect thing. You know, I've had a lot of people reach out and kind of be like concerned because, you know, Heather, who always went to church and was involved in church and was in ministry and all that isn't even going anymore. And is kind of you know, off the rails, what people say, but that's the exact words I use over the past few years. I haven't been afraid. And what does the Bible say? God is love. What is the opposite of love? Fear. 
Well, I think too, it's, it's a healthier relationship, right? If you can be curious and if you can be open and have a conversation with God. Yeah. Well, think about like, you know, they always use the metaphor of a father. Think about with your own dad. I mean, better call daddy. If you're afraid to call your daddy, you know what I'm saying? Like, but no, your dad, you can call him up and ask him these questions and he's going to give you your input and you're going to go back and forth and all of this stuff and you have respect for him, but you also don't have this dictatorship force thing. It's something that you freely give your love to him. I love that you actually connected it to my dad because that has actually helped me love God because I have such a loving relationship with my dad that I'm like, okay, if he's a father in heaven, then I can relate to that. And I wonder if people don't have that relationship with their dad, do they have a harder time seeing God in this world? Absolutely. And there's some, there's a, this is a highly underdeveloped thought. So forgive me that sloppiness, but I've thought a lot about how, when you don't have those strong connections and that strong attachment, how we run to a system like the church, because if you think about authority in the church, like pastors and bishops and deacons and all this stuff, there's like this representation of fathers and mothers. And so we're running to that, to see that structure to kind of bridge those relationships. And often we're putting too much weight on seeing the pastor and these authorities as fathers because of our own lack and when they disappoint and when they fall apart and God forbid there's corruption within the church, it's deep soul wounds us because it's a spiritual thing of we're looking to them as fathers. And at the end of the day, they're still just humans. Ooh, did you see some disappointment? Oh, me? Girl. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a level, it's interesting because there's a level of responsibility people in leadership have that they need to be held accountable to. But then there's also to a level of responsibility on our part to be highly aware that we need to see people for who they are and also who they're not. We're responsible too for, you know, young people coming into our churches and synagogues and all of this stuff. And they're broken and they're hurt and maybe they've had a lot of loss in their life and using that pain and abusing it. There's, there's a lot of accountability that needs to be held there, but, but girl, who, man, <laughs> there, there's a lot there. There's a, there's a lot to unpack there. I'm interested to see how the church is going to unfold. I'm actually really hopeful for it. I think a lot of people are waking up to the structural issues and starting to reimagine God and spirituality and what, um, what the church can look like outside of those constructs. It can look like a school bus. I know. With clown mass and fun and going to, you know, get ice cream and all that stuff. It's, that's the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, tell me about a traveling ministry. I know nothing about that. I mean, everything I'm about to say to you, you're not going to believe me, but... <laughs> Literally, I lived in a Sunday school room, okay, that we turned them into dorm rooms. And we lived, it was about 30 of us. We lived in a church. We were all like 18 to 22 years old. And they had like first year students, second year students, and third year students. Your first year students, you're not allowed to date at all. You're not allowed to talk to the opposite sex. If they start getting wind that you're looking too much at this and the opposite sex, like you get in trouble. So you're giving that year to the Lord. We take a covenant, we put on a ring, and for a whole year, 
you know, no dating, anything like that. As you can imagine, graduation night, all hell breaks loose because everybody's like, whoa, when they're throwing the ring off, and they're like, how you doing? I'm looking at you all year. It's, it's kind of crazy. So it goes the opposite end. But um, that year is just like heavy study on scripture. So we were required to memorize 400 Bible scriptures, um, underdo all these Bible studies and all of that. And it was just a lot of service. It was a very service-based thing. So we served in the church. We literally lived in the church. We cleaned the church. We woke up in the morning. We prayed. We did everything. Yeah. And so your second year is leadership training, third year, so forth. But it was just this group that was really trying to foster what a service mentality for ministry was. So we got certified as ministers through the Assemblies of God Church and the others. It was really just a certificate program. How did you break free of that? To be completely honest, I never, it was too folded. I wanted to go into ministry because I really felt very connected to God and something. I I don't ever question that. But also too, I didn't grow up with an education at all. Like my education stopped really early. So I never really saw another option for what I would become or what I could do. I never thought I would be able to go to college or, you know, the entrepreneurial bit and building your own thing. I wasn't exposed to that too much later in life. So it was kind of like this thing of, you know, you either get married and have a family or you kind of go into ministry. And I never really considered anything different. So traveling was really great for me because it exposed me to a lot of different ideas and people and I just started entertaining new ideas that there's, there's other options and there's other things to do. And it was a few years before I kind of pulled out of ministry altogether, but um, really it was just, it was just exposure mixed with a lot of corruption that I saw that I just didn't want to be a part of. So I'm really grateful. I'm really, really grateful because there's a lot of points where I almost got married and almost did this and almost, you know, went these different routes and I'm great. I'm so just grateful to God (laughs) that I am where I'm at right now, you know, and not there. Wow. That's amazing. It's weird. Wow. I wonder what that corruption, how that plays out now for you. I think I have a lot of, and I don't know if it's healthy or not. I'm trying to figure that out. I think it's probably both very defensive and weird about people who are highly used by church structures where they don't have much of a life outside of it and there's so much identity wrapped in that and there I think they confuse identity within their specific local church as their identity with God and I think that could be super dangerous and I'm I don't think I'm against being involved in your church because honestly I miss it sometimes because there's such a community aspect and you know being like an online entrepreneur it's very lonely and sometimes I think well I need to go back to church just so I'm around people but they're using a lot of people sometimes when we should be out in the world doing things and creating and making stuff and and all of that there's a lot of life it's, it's almost cultish you know what I mean And I don't want to speak blanket for all churches, just some of the ones I've been exposed to. You are so brave. I see you building a tribe and I actually watched some of your challenge videos around the Seth Godin idea of building a tribe. And I started thinking about the fact that your community members in your Facebook group do talk to each other. You do pass the mic to them. You have grown the community and I I see that as missionary work in some ways. Yeah, 
systems are interesting because we think that we are going to be groomed through these systems and that we can only function through them when really I think a healthy system trains people to function in and out of them. So even the education system, you know, I, I went, ended up going to school and getting these degrees and all that. And I didn't end up using those degrees in the traditional sense. And sometimes I think in my mind, well, I wasted my time. I wasted my money because I'm not doing, going the conventional path in these ways. However, I think we've got to start re-educating what using our gifts look like. And so you may have, you know, be very highly spiritual and be trained through the church and go along of that. But are you a failure in ministry if your ministry is not connected to the local church and it's doing something else? Are you, have you wasted your degrees if you haven't gone the corporate route and maybe you're using them in a completely different way, in an entrepreneurial way? And I think we're going to need to start rethinking some of the tools and the ways that we can use our gifts and even our degrees and training. Uh, it doesn't have to be conventional. You know what I mean? Um, and I've, I've really had to rewire my own brain of thinking, you know, like you didn't waste any of this, you know, you're, you're using it differently and that's okay. One thing you said is to get to the next level, you have to fall in love with what makes you, you, mm-hmm. how are you doing that? Oh man, that's such a great, you're so good at this. <laughs> I think asking myself constantly if something feels good for me or not you know what I mean? And I'm reading that book Untamed right now and it's making me sweat. It's making me nervous. And that's always a good thing because it's challenging me. I'm like, oh God. But you know, one of the things that she talks about is, you know, sometimes we look around and see or, or guess how people are going to respond before we do something. Like, is this going to be acceptable? If this isn't, is this not? And definitely, you know, to our conversation about religion and church, I was so groomed to do that, that if it wasn't approved by certain people, you know, that you have to stay your lane, stay your course, be quiet, sit here, sit up straight, all this stuff. And really trying to lean into my own instincts and intuition and not, immediately go to that's bad and that's wrong because that's not what a godly woman does or thinks or acts or whatever. And I'm not talking about, you know, going and smoking a doobie on the corner. You know what I'm talking about? Like I'm saying not anything wrong if you want to go do that, but I'm talking about just like speaking up when I don't feel like I should, or just some very simple things that I think I've overthought in my life and felt kind of bound to just really trying to check in and say, you know what, do you want to do this? Does this feel good to you? Do you think this is funny? Do you like this video? Do you like this color? Do you like this font? Like, do I like me at the end of the day? Like if I die tomorrow, am I going to look back and say, you know what, Heather, you, you liked yourself. You felt good about the work you were putting out. And even if it doesn't get a ton of response or, you know, I'm not as influential or whatever, blah, blah, whatever that may be in the online space am I proud of myself? You know what I mean? And I don't think I'll ever fully answer yes to that because there's always those things. But I think it's something worth looking at because if you don't like you, what are you doing? You know? I loved when you talked about leaning into insecurities and your episode about mentioning, you know, your toe and how somebody made a comment about your toe and your forehead size. And we all have our insecurities. I will never forget. There was this woman who was like, a triathlete and she was on the stage at Tony Robbins and she talked about coming out to her parents Oh yeah, and how hard that was for her and, and her saying, I'm still the same person. You can still love me. And she was saying that when you tap into what's the hardest thing for you to 
accept mm. that's where your power lies. I feel like I will never forget that. That's so good. Because that's the human piece, you know what I mean? That's when we get really raw and more human. And you and I have talked about before, we're just really in a lot of need of that right now. Like we just need to cut the BS and all this stuff and really get out of the human piece. And that's messy. You know what I mean? Like that's yucky. That's the stuff that y'all talk about. Like your episodes, that's the real stuff. The weird things that people do and think and process through and all that. And even though, you know, some of the stuff that, you know, you've talked about on your show, I, I can't relate to physically. I can relate to it emotionally. You know what I mean? Like I haven't been in that place physically, but I understand what they're saying because they're being human. Oh yeah. It's funny because I actually heavily edit my show. Really? <laughs> so that's an insecurity of mine. And I recorded like three months worth of content prior to releasing them even. Mm -hmm. My perfectionist majorly came out. Yeah. It's hard. Well, I mean, it's hard because this is your, this is your baby. This is your creative work. And that's what's so interesting about creatives is there is this need to express something and give something to the world. And yet there is this looking behind your shoulder because what, what is your, what is your gift? You want to give your gift to someone, <laughs> you know what I mean? I love uh, Elizabeth Gilbert's work. It's really interesting, but it's also very hard for me to conceptualize. I'm not there yet. I need to really work through it. But this idea of just like letting your work be and just letting it be for the sake of being without going in and over editing it, because I did the same thing in different ways. And that's just being a creative. I saw that you recently connected with Seth Godin. Yeah. And I was wondering, do you get nervous interviewing people like that? Well, you, oh, yes. Oh, yes, I do. My favorite mantra is you belong here. And I say it to myself over and over again in the presence of people like that, like, because at the end of the day, again, they're still human beings. Um, sometimes people show their humanness a little more than others, and that kind of helps with the nerves. But I have to constantly remind myself that they may have be further down the road than me, but they're, you know, no better than I am. But it's something I have to pep talk myself into. It's, it's interesting. How else did you prepare for that interview? Um, overly. Overly is a good word. Preparing for interviews are interesting because I want people to feel respected, but I also too don't want it to be too scripted because I want it to be conversational and curious and all of that. So I over prepped for that one and I swept the floor about three times. I was sweeping the floor about 90 seconds before he came on, just walking around sweeping. Uh, Seth Godin was somebody who's, who's like my number one person I've always wanted to interview. And so I didn't think he would say yes. And he did. And then I was almost kind of regretful. I'm like, oh God, I have to talk to him now. <laughs> what am I going to do? You know what I mean? It's interesting. I have one of those coming up, not with him, but I'm not going to jinx myself. That's another thing. Like, I don't like to say, oh my God, I can't believe I have this person on the calendar because what if that doesn't happen? And then you've announced it to the world. Yeah, that happened once to me uh, where that person did, just didn't show up. So I was like, oh, that's great. Thanks. So yeah, there's... It, it's wise not to do that. I've asked my audience like, hey, what would you ask this kind of person? And then I'm not showing up. But then I was like, glad that I didn't announce who it was. Yeah. 
taking questions from your audience is pretty cool. People enjoy that. I did that for a little while. I, I need to go back and do something like that again. Are you a solopreneur or do you have a team now? A VA, but yeah, for the most part, solo. And you said that you started streaming on an app like five years ago and that you were having some traction with that. Can you talk to me about that? Because I feel like, did that help with what you're doing now? Yeah, it was the gateway drug to all of this. It was, I was hooked. I loved it. And I started consuming other people's content and I was like, oh, this is a thing. You can just put your face on this phone and talk to strangers all over the world. And it's just so, I was just loved it. I was literally late to classes because I would be in my car live streaming, but I couldn't get off because there were so many people on. And I was like, you know, I think it was twofold. It was very addictive almost um, for, I'm a, I'm a very like kind of ADH top gal and it's, it's very, there's a lot of stimulus there. So I think for me, my personality, it's very interesting. Like a lot of times people get overwhelmed with social media. I get excited with it. Like I, I really like it. Um, so I think there's a huge self-awareness piece there to that. And then also to thinking about like scale impact type work, the amount of people you can reach. I mean, getting emails from people from halfway across the world is just the coolest thing in the world. And to this day, like I see numbers and stuff, but it's still weird when somebody says, oh, I listened to your podcast because then you see the human and it's, there's a disconnect with numbers and human beings right now. You know, you see numbers, but when you see faces and hear voices, it's really interesting to think, oh yeah, these represent beings. I love how you brought up that JLo is 50 and there's still room for you. I've heard you say that a couple times. First of all, I love JLo and the other person I, you, Yeah. She's so hot. <laughs> right? So I love that you used her as an example. And then you were talking a little bit about how you've been doing acting for the last year and that you mentioned Steve Urkel, who I also loved. And I was wondering, like, who do you find yourself being when you're acting? Because I took improv for almost a year with my husband and there are certain roles that you can take to easier, right? I'm so early in all of that, that it's been very hard for me to kind of find my type. I've been placed as a type through, you know, a couple of parts that I've done and through like my coach and all of that, but I don't feel like it really represents me. So people normally typecast me into kind of more of an authoritative, you know, kind of more bitchy role, which is fine, but I don't really feel like that's me. Like I see myself more as like Ellen, you know what I mean? Like a quirky, weird type human. And that those have been two kind of identities that I've, I've related to a lot, but also to been trying to figure out how they can kind of mix together. And, and acting is such an interesting thing. You know, I, my master's is in mental health counseling. And so I studied that intensively and going into acting, I feel like that's some of the best therapy I've been through ever because there's so much inner work there. There's so much vulnerability. There's so much exposure. There's so much, I mean, it is crazy. Anybody has done it. So if you're looking for uh, some cheap therapy, take acting classes. So what's next for you? Like you've been building this community. You've been passing the mic. I hear your podcast. You've got a YouTube channel. You've got a TikTok. You're teaching people in the online space. I feel like you're doing what you love. What more do you want to do? Oh, a lot. I mean, I feel like I'm just 
barely scratching the surface. I feel like I'm just now getting to a point where I can admit what I want to do without my voice shaking or being embarrassed because I think sometimes we put so much limits on ourselves that, oh, well, you know, I just do this for fun and this is just this thing. And I just really don't want to dismiss like my, my, my art, my work anymore where I kind of used to lead with, oh, I have a small business and this is what I do. And then I did this podcast on the side and I realized that I was just being insecure because I didn't think that I could ever really make something of the show. So lately I've just been saying, leading with, I am a show host and that's what I do. And although that's not where I make primarily my bulk of my money, I make my money in my business. I have my business to support my creative endeavors, which is really what I want to do. So what's next for me is, is growing that. I started co-hosting another show, morning show, live Monday through Friday. I'm about to start co-hosting another show. So I'm going to be getting my feet wet in some other, other shows, other productions. Ultimately, uh, I, I would love to just make more positive seems so lame, but life giving content to be more mainstream and just infuse some hope and some joy and life into this like lifeless thing we call social media sometimes uh, and and be a force for that. So I don't know exactly what form that's going to take, but I'm just super open right now to to all the different possibilities. And if anything else, I'll die trying and go down in history as somebody who tried even if I'm an old lady in the nursing home with my podcasting equipment I'll be doing it till the end (laughs) so what is lifeless social media what is the lifeless part when you're around someone or you read something or you see an image there's a weight to it and it can either kind of sit on you kind of heavy or it can just like infuse and spark something inside of you. And I don't even know if I can have the words to like define both of those things. It's an energy that something carries. And I think we all feel it. And sometimes there's a really heavy energy around certain messages. And even if those messages are intended to be good, um, the spirit in which they were given or the energy that's on them can really weigh people down. And I think it's important as creators to really pay attention to the energy in which we create something and the intention behind it. Are your parents okay with what you're fighting for now? I'm not sure they know. My dad's a little bit more aware of what I'm doing and involved. My mom isn't really, she knows that I do things online, but she's not really sure what they are. What's your relationship like with them? My mom is pretty surface. She doesn't listen to the show. She told me she wouldn't at one point. I was never, I've never been super close to my mom. My dad's way more involved. We, we talk every few weeks or so, and he knows about the show and listens to my content as much as he can. We're different, very different politically and spiritually and all that stuff, like hardcore. So there, there's some dissonance there with that, but he, he, you know, he loves and respects what I do. So that's nice. Are they upset that you left the ministry? Oh, oh no, I don't think so. I mean, my parents never really were involved in church very much. I kind of ran to the church for, um, I guess, that missing piece that I was told you about before. They don't go to church either, so. Have you tried to get your mom to listen to the show? I think she'd be impressed. Yeah, she did listen to it once, and she told me she didn't like it and stopped, so. Maybe you should send her a fidget Friday. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I have noticed your growth. I know the show is exploding. I am very impressed with all that you're building in your community. And 
please let me know how I can be a resource for you and keep me posted on your other shows. That's so cool. Thanks. And I want to say your dad is such a friendly face. Like he's been sitting here staring at us the whole time. And I just feel like he's been a part of the conversation. It's been so nice. (laughs) Anything you want to ask my daddy? Yeah, I would love to hear his perspective on raising girls. I have two little girls and it's so terrifying and exciting all at the same time. And I just think he's done an awesome job with you. And so any any advice he has with raising strong women? Aw, thank you. He actually has three daughters, so I'm sure he'll have a perspective on that. Can't wait to hear it. Well, thank you so much. I cannot wait for my dad's response. Here we go. A very interesting conversation with Heather. This is a very interesting beginning she gave you that she wasn't sure what she was going to do with her life. She wasn't sure whether she was going to go to school or what she could do. Some young men think that the answer for them to find themselves is to join the army or join the Navy or the Marines. And other people find that to do their soul searching, that they can get an example by joining the ministry. And what she found out was that she really wanted direction and needed to find another source for that direction. What an education she ended up with was that she wanted to be close to God, and she went through people, through the ministry, and unfortunately, God and people are not in the same degree. God is just awesome, which, as you know, the relationship that I have with him, and uh, we just, even though we try, we just can't seem to measure up humans come anywhere close to the presence and the relationship that you can have with God. And she learned this also, that the ministry and the church that she was involved in, the hypocrisies and some of the things that were awful that were going on, she realized that she can have a love affair not only with God, but with herself without direction and restrictions of the church or the synagogue or the school and that she could find her own path by having the confidence or building the self-confidence in herself and sharing that love with herself, with God, and it didn't have to be in some type of box or building. What's very interesting is that the key to being a good father with three daughters, and she has daughters, is to be able to educate yourself is to have a relationship of love with yourself where you can share that love with others and to be consistent and real and show that you're not a hypocrite, that you're able to express yourself and be real, just like this show gives people an opportunity to be real and where they can express themselves. And these expressions that you're doing with your show is an example for everyone to be able to have an experience that's shared that you can learn from. And that's what she's trying to do as well with her show is to be able to grow and be able to share her experiences and to be real. And what I liked what she said also, and this is something that I think I mentioned to you, is that I'm trying to build on my wisdom rating. And isn't this show also giving you an opportunity as it is for her to build on your creativity. Someone had said to her, 
what do you do for a living? And she used to say, well, I do a little this and that with my business. And now she's changed her mind. Now it's about being able to do her creative thinking and learning and developing. And she does the work to help make sure that she's able to continue with her creativity. And isn't that really what it's all about, is to be able to do some soul searching, do the things that you love to do. We've heard this from some of the other shows, is that making $80,000 versus $40,000, but doing something that you love at the $40,000 that you can grow and be part of, uh, like a sponge, absorbing all kinds of new variables. And, and building yourself up, isn't that worth a lot more than a dry job at $80,000 a year? And this is really true across a broad amount of people, is search out what you love to do and try to express yourself and continue to grow and keep looking forward. And hopefully we all can do that and get a lesson from that. I think so. I think so too. And I think she'll be a marvelous parent to these girls because she's showing that she can be creative, that she can go for it, and that she will show confidence. And if she shows that consistency, her daughters will look up to her and want to follow in her footsteps as well. Today's episode is sponsored by Rin10 Media. If you want to look and sound your best for a podcast of your own, you want to get in touch with Rin10 Media. When I first contacted them, Better Call Daddy was just a twinkle in my daddy's eye. And now, only after a couple months in, we're at like 50 episodes. Reach out to info at ren10media.co.za and use the subject line, Better Call Daddy. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and tune in. Add Better Call Daddy podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy show.